0: So for those of you who don't know me today, you'll think that I'm always on some kind of soapbox or something like that because today I'm going to get on my soapbox. There, I, I, I have a w- my wife and uh, some of your spouses just love Christmas and all things Christmas. I kind of like Christmas movies. I watch the Christmas movies. My favorite one is the original Grinch movie. Just love that movie. Just love the tinkers and and all that. And I asked Becky if she had them decorated last night. If she had all her tinkers up and in place. But there's some other movies, and they start to do this. They, they're starting to have what what uh, modern cultural pundits are calling wicked beliefs, as in Wikipedia. Beliefs that everybody just sort of has, but there's no real true author. You know, that's the thing about Wikipedia is you, if you get out there and you know something about it, you can edit the page. It's crowdsourced, if you will. Whoever the crowd and whatever the crowd says goes out there and edits the page and it happens. Well, Wiki beliefs. Wiki, Wiki beliefs, am I cutting out? Is it weird? Okay. It's just me. I'm the weird one. As, as she was doing the, uh, the chocolate kisses, I was thinking, I'm the one with the nut in the middle. <laughs> but a wiki belief is a belief that just sort of happens in society. Lots of people have it, but we don't really know where it comes from. and nobody, There's nobody to blame for it, and there's nobody to correct. It's just sort of a widely held belief. And and as I watch movies, I start to see one of these pop up over and over again. One of the movies that we watched um, must have been two days ago: Rise of the Guardians. It's a new Christmas time movie that they do where Santa Claus carries the big swords. How many kids know Rise of the Guardians? Do any of you know the Rise of the Guardians? Okay, um, do you know that uh, it's it's a movie where um, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny and the tooth fairy and sandman they all are protecting hope and belief in kids but without the belief they have no power they start to get weaker this is this this belief that the powers the gods of our world whoever they might be require our belief they require something from us just in case you you wouldn't you haven't seen this Maybe you've seen Elf. Have any of you seen the movie Elf? Okay, what happens to Santa's sleigh when people quit having belief in it? It can't fly, right? He has to have a rocket attached to it, and then what happens when the rocket doesn't happen? Right, so he falls out of the sky. Another movie that does this is the new version of Clash of the Titans, only in this case it's the Greek pantheon, the gods start losing their power unless the people believe in them. Or worse yet, in, in the next one, in Wrath of the Titans, it literally says that if we don't pray to them, the gods wouldn't even know where we are, right? That they're dependent on us praying and worshiping them to know anything about our world. I want you to know that this, this just is sort of sickening to me in some ways, but I know that our culture uses movies to sort of wrestle with beliefs that, that can't really be voiced readily you can see this in uh, in lots of modern movies. I really like uh, the old Godzilla movies and all that. But the Godzilla movies are society's way of starting to wrestle with our modern technology as doing something and 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 it could go horribly wrong and destroy us in the end. Did you know that? Have you ever seen that? As they continue to do it, it's all. You know, in the original Godzilla movies, we made Godzilla. It's kind of funny. We made Godzilla. It's always Charles Dickens' world, right? It's always the best of times and the worst of times. But you see, the modern inheritors of the Godzilla movies are actually the Armageddon movies that are coming, that even even our great science can't save us from the asteroid that's coming. So there's a movie where we send astronauts out there to 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 blow up the asteroid or or we see the Terminator movies where we've created machines and they destroy us and as our society wrestles with these issues sometimes it uses arts the arts world the books world to do that long ago uh, the horror genre of movies started well actually books started with um, Mary Shelley and Edgar Allan Poe Do you know the main story in uh in uh, Frankenstein if you read the original book the question is is what makes a monster is the monster the monster or the crowd the monster And so as we wrestle with this thing, just another little off the wall example, some of you won't have seen this or, or recognized it such because you weren't alive during Reconstruction after the Civil War. <laughs> at least at least I'm sure I wasn't, and I know most of you were not, but the Wizard of Oz deals with this in the Reconstruction from a Southern point of view. Did you know that the the wicked witch of the north sends the flying monkeys to pillage, right? Carpetbaggers come into the South. The voice of Reconstruction does all this. What is the w- the the Glinda the Good Witch of the West? Westward expansion is this thing. How do you get get away from the damage of the areas you go west, young man? Go west. And of course, right through the whole thing, the country has gone off the gold standard, and there's a big cry to go back to the gold standard. And so, what do you do? You follow the yellow brick road. To the Wizard of Oz, who, by the way, is just a guy behind a curtain. How do you, how our society uses arts to do this? But we sort of have this belief where we understand and we and we wrestle with this topic. But I'm wrestling with this one today about do does God need us? Because that's the Wiki belief that's coming on that God needs us that without us, without our belief. God gets weaker. That's what's kind of going on in our culture. And you hear this story, and it c- keeps cropping up. And I've seen five or six other movies where the idea keeps cropping up inside it. And I just want you to know that there's a spot in Acts where where Paul talks about the three major questions of living life. And those three questions have been going on far, far earlier than Plato and and all of those, and those questions are, do you know what the th- four, three major questions of philosophy throughout all time are? How did we get here? Why are we here? Where are we going? You know. says our new member. Excellent. How did we get here? Why are we here? Where are we going? And to which I would add a fourth one. Is there any escape from that location? Right? How does how does uh, evolution ask, answer those questions? Why are we? How did we get here? Huh? Random chance. Okay. I'm not now. Remember, I'm going to read the Bible in just a little bit. The Bible is not a how book in the way that we do science. It's a why book. And so, if you're going in here and you're looking for the mathematical equation or the chemical cool chemical coefficient of whatever happened or and I don't even know if I'm using the words right. Am I using the words right, Alex? He's going, no. <laughs> That's my science kid in the back <laughs> telling me you're just not, um, you're off base here. It won't be the last time, by the way, that I'm off base with word usage. But, but the Bible doesn't say, it doesn't go in here, God created and he used X method. It said God made us, and it used an example of forming, uh, forming our bodies out of dust and breathing into us, which, by the way, is an ancient world way that, that the image of the God was enlivened so that we would know that we weren't servants of the, ancient, of the ancient images of the God. We weren't servants of the idol. We were the image of the God. It's a completely different story than anybody else told. But here it goes. We've got this why book. Why are we here? And, and, and those are the questions. But what we believe is radically important here. So if we believe evolution, just roll with me for just a second. If we believe that we're here completely by random chance, why are we here? What does evolution have to say about why Well, it's not true that it has nothing to say. I would say that we're here to make more. Make more of us. We're going to make better ones of us if natural selection is added in there and all that stuff. But but okay, so so we're here by random chance and we're really just here kind of making more. Where are we going? Back to where we came from. Back to dust. Energy continues. There you go. Is that is that correct, Science Alex? Energy continues? See, mom's right, yeah. Mom does this better than me. Is there any escape in evolution? No, no, you might get to prolong the time frame, but now our society's dealing with another question, isn't it? what does it mean to be live and what is quality of life choices and and all those things and and we're right back to Charles Dickens got it right again it's always the best of times and the worst of times always yes we have dishwashers no we don't have to use drying racks yes we have clothes washers and dryers that we don't have to crank through and yes I've seen those operate you too. <laughs> so let me talk to you. I want to go to the one spot. There's one spot in the Bible where Paul addresses all three of these questions and the fourth in sort of an ancillary way. It's in the Athens address. That's Acts six seventeen. 17, Acts 17. But before we do that, let's talk about Athens for a little bit. It says here that Athens, he says this, Um, that Athens, they like to debate and know things and they just want to talk about it and sort of be informed and discuss every little issue to the nth degree. That doesn't sound anything like our world at all, does it? Does that sound like America at the moment? We should just talk about it. We don't really have to take a stand. We just have to know all the viewpoints. So Paul, standing before the council, this is Acts 17.22 and following, addresses them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For I was walking along as I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it: "To an unknown god." This god, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm going to tell you about. Now, I want you to understand that worship in the ancient world is quite a bit different than it was for, than it is for us. You know that they thought about things differently. Paul was, Paul was essentially stoned for improper worship in, in Ephesus. The cry was, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And they stoned him because their local deity was Diana, Mother Earth, of the Ephesians. And if, you didn't, if, if the town didn't worship her, what happens to the crops if the goddess is unhappy? So it's actually seen sort of as treason against the town to worship false gods. But the Greeks weren't like that entirely. They just thought that, well, you have, to, you have to keep them all happy. And the Romans used to think, by the way, do you know the Romans didn't, did not give credit for their military success to their military prowess? They gave it to their exceeding piety, to That they were just really good warriors or they had a new methodology was just an outflow of that piety. They, so if you start to see this in this world, the Greeks are like that. We just got to do this. So here it is. He is the God who made the world and everything in it since he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs. This is a radical departure from every other belief system in the ancient world right there. Human hands can't serve God's needs. And there's one reason here because he has no needs. What does it what is the implication that our God doesn't have needs and that we can't serve them and that we aren't necessary? that we don't have to do it. it doesn't, he doesn't need us to be God. That is completely opposite of, of this, this belief sort of coming up here that the gods aren't really gods unless you believe in them and that you power them by your belief and blah, 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 blah. This is the God who made the earth and put you in it And gave you it, and then gave you grace, and he doesn't need you for his power to continue, but he longs to have you love him. It's a completely different viewpoint. Now, he could have forced it. He could have made everybody believe in him, but then that's not really love, is it? Love has to be a choice by the way, that might be the solution to about two-thirds of the marital problems in America if we started to think of love as a choice as opposed to a feeling. That's an interesting understanding difference, isn't it? Because our world says love is a feeling, and I lost that loving feeling. If I were to quote another, another part of our cultural understanding. Okay. Okay. Deep breath. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, this is not a very good translation. This is one of the spots. Some of you have asked me about translations and why I pick certain ones. And the answer that always seems to stun people is I really like the new living because where it's wooden, it's consistently wooden. So when it makes a mistake, it makes the same mistake over and over again so I can start to recognize it. And then I know I have to look there. This is one of those mistakes. (laughs) From one man, it doesn't say man in the scripture. It says from one he creates all. That's more of a discussion of why, not a how, that we're one species. Did you notice that? Humans are one species. The wrapper color really doesn't make any difference. You know what the discussion in in biology, I have a daughter that's a biologist, and so I've asked her this question, but but the test to make sure if something's the same species is viable offspring. So if you take a donkey and a horse, and they have an offspring, the mule can't make more mules. They're not from the same species. By the way, if if you run into somebody from Africa and you fall in love and you make babies, they're going to be able to make more babies. You're of the same species. The wrapper color really doesn't matter. It's the the sweet chocolate inside with the nut, in my case, or somebody else's. I know some people that, that their feelings just gush out of them. Maybe they're filled with caramel or something like that. I, <laughs> don't, I don't know. <laughs> but this is it, that we are made from one, all of us, all the nations throughout the whole earth, and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. How did we get here? He put us here. It's not a how. It's that it happened. This was his purpose for the nations. Why are we here? This is his purpose for the nations, that to seek after God and to perhaps find their way toward him and to find him, though he is not far from any of us. Why are we here? The Presbyterian answer would be to seek after and to bring bring praises to his name, if you had done the creedal response of the Presbyterians. But we would say, you are here to find out who he is and to love him. That's what you're here to do. Now, later on in the text, I'm going to read on and, and we'll get back to this. Maybe I'll just do this now. I'll read on and then I'll come back, okay? For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his children. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by the craftsman of gold or silver or stone. In other words, we shouldn't think of God in our own image in the way that we made him, but we should think of him as the maker of us. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. Now, this is Paul talking about 45, 50 A.D., 60 A.D., depending on which scholars you believe in and trust. What is earlier times that God ignored? What's the, what's the punctuation point of earlier times to the pu- times Paul's talking about where God is no longer going to ignore such things? What's the punctuation in there between earlier times when God thought it was okay to be ignorant and now he doesn't think it's okay to be ignorant? I, I saw Philip trying to say something. Just say that out loud, Philip. Jesus. Jesus. Why? Jesus is the revelation of who God is and his love for the world and that he's here for us and that he gives himself for us and he strengthens us and and then he pours his spirit out on us. Perfect time for the Sunday school answer. In the first service, I got Christmas. Same thing, right? Because Christmas is about Jesus. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Now before, in times of ignorance, the third question that we had is this, where are we going? In times of ignorance, where was everybody going when they didn't know what they were doing was evil, but they were still doing the evil? By the way, if you're only doing evil and you don't know what's evil, does that make it less evil? No, you've still done bad, right? We've all done bad. We, We didn't create God enough good stuff in us that we just lived out of it and we were just wonderful all the time and everybody just acclaimed that we became gods and then we could they could worship us and all that no we had a need and we were ignorant and we did things wrong and God overlooked it for a time because the revelation wasn't complete that's what the word says here but now he doesn't was there where were we going that's the first, third answer, right? Why are we here? Or where, how did we get here? Why are we here? Where are we going? We were going to a place that wasn't going to be any fun. H-E double toothpicks. <laughs> right? We were going to this place, and Jesus came down and said, I'm sorry, your ticket is to a bad destination. I'd like to refund your ticket and give you a different ticket. Would you take it? It, he is not willing that any should perish. It's not that God said only those who, only my special three, four people, and those who, those who speak just right, and they. No, He's not willing that any should perish; that all should come to saving faith; that all should come and accept His one and only Son, who, who then should believe in Him. But is there any escape? In all the other belief systems from where you're going, there is no escape. By the way, we didn't cover the other, the other belief systems. We didn't, we didn't cover the belief system that says that, it, well, it's covered in the movie Jupiter Ascending, right? That we are seated here by alien races and they're just waiting for the earth to come to full time to harvest and they're going to harvest the whole thing. Is there any escape from that? no cuz you can't get off the place. We're stuck here, aren't we? Well, but we might get able to move. No, they're not they're not going to let it go that far. There's no escape. But in Christ there is an escape. This the fourth question. Is there a way out of the trouble? Yes. But if we have to earn it, I dare say there wouldn't be. Not because there wouldn't be a way to earn it, just because we'd get halfway through and think that's good enough and we'd quit. Just exactly like a New Year's resolution. I'm completely for you. I didn't, I'm not, thinking about, I love the New Year's Do You know what makes a New Year's resolution hard, though? Not the change. Maintaining it until the change is the new, new normal. The setting on the dryer. Normal. And so here we go. The questions go like this. No matter what the world says, no matter where it says we're going, no matter what it says, the Bible gives a different set of answers about why than the world gives. In everything, even in the ancient world, it gave a different set of answers. Even when it said that you had to appease the God and do all that, God came into those spots and said, we're not doing that anymore as you've heard me say I know that everybody says do that stop it and this is the thing that there are four ways there are four questions and we're all looking for the escape and we've always been doing that but the situation goes to this that we have to submit ourselves to the word of God and understand it in order to understand what's going on. Some of you would, would say, right, well, we do that, we read that all the time. I've read lots of people that read the Bible. I know people that know it better than me that have never submitted to it. And by that I mean they go to the Bible and they say, I think it says this, and then they open it up and then they find that. That, by the way, is submitting the Bible to you. That is creating a God in your own image. That is all sorts of blasphemies and all those things. It's just bad methodology. It's the way of the world, all this stuff. By the way, um, we could do this with any verse, and we could do this, but, but good biblical exegesis on, this on, on any question is to find all the verses on the topic and not just pick your favorite one and subject everything else to them. They call that a canon within the canon. And so let me give you an example. I know I'm losing you a little bit here. There's a verse in, uh, in Timothy, Paul writes, and women are essentially disqualified from leadership by the way our culture has used it. Not just our culture, but every culture has used it. They've read it to say, I don't allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man. You know this verse. Have you heard this verse? It's the same verse that has Beth Moore, who's one of the most gifted Bible study teachers in our in our country today, not teaching men in her own church because she can't have authority over them. But if you don't take some words out of the the clauses and move them around in the sentence, it actually says something slightly different. Or it can do that, and you have to not know, have to know that you can't. That the choice is, is sort of standing on a razor's edge on which one it is. The other reading that makes sense as well is I don't allow the teaching that a woman has authori- or is the source or authority of man, which is a worship question written to Ephesus where th- Timothy was, where du- great is Diana of the Ephesians, where Paul was stoned for that, And the context begins to sort of change your understanding that we don't allow false worship and we don't allow worship of Mother Earth. Because Earth didn't create you. Earth is also created. But let's say that you can't choose between those two and that they both are good readings and I think that they were both possible readings. Let's say... Okay, so how do you decide? You go to the Bible and you start getting other verses that are on the topic of women in leadership and you start saying, okay, what do they say? And so what does Paul say, the author of of Timothy? What does he say? He says there is no male, no female in Christ. Oh, but he does say cover your head in some places. Right, where he does say cover your head, that women should have their head covered. Do you know what the town he's writing that to that women without their head covered are prostitutes? That the sign that you're a prostitute is you're not wearing a head covering? Well, we don't have to wear head coverings. Yeah, now you're telling the world you're a prostitute. You should be aware of that, by the way, if there's a certain thing you're doing in the world that tells them something else. There's a story about um, uh, missionaries that went to a foreign land, and they were there, and these and they ha- they had a woman and her kids, and, everything, and they found out that there's this fruit juice that they just loved, and they would sit out on the porch every night and, and drink this fruit juice. Well, the fruit juice was an abortifact in, the, in that country, and they would say every time that, that the wild and loose women would use this to get rid of the babies because they would not be. And so the missionaries were up there sending the entirely wrong message in a culture <laughs> because they didn't know the culture. Okay, so there's, there's one that sort of says there's some differences, but you have this. You also have Paul listing a woman's name before a man's name in one letter, radically unusual in the ancient Greek world. He's actually telling them that she's the important one. But let's go back to the Old Testament for a second. I love this one. Do you know the story of Deborah and Barak? That just sort of did a flyby on you. Well, Deborah is one of the prophets in Judges. She's the judge of the country. You know another name for judge of the country? President, king, queen, whatever you want. She's the prophet. Barak is the general, and there's an ancient, the Sumerians are conquering them because they have iron chariots, you know, another technological advance that's just doing this. The problem with iron chariots is is that if you get them in a rainstorm, they get bogged down, they get muddy, and then the horses can't pull them because they're really heavy. But Deborah tells Barak, go, take your army to this place and face the enemy, and you'll have victory. And he says to her, well, I'm not going to go alone. And essentially, I'm not putting my neck on the line if you don't go with me. Why should I put my neck on the line if you don't put your neck on the line? And God just corrects him and literally says, because you didn't listen to my prophet, you will not get the victory. That's not Deborah correcting him. That's God correcting him. He didn't follow God's person who happened to be a woman. And I have this, this long, strong feeling that, it, that it's highly unlikely that God thought half of the human race was completely useless for leadership. But we've got, this, we've got these verses and we've got this, these two that we're weighing, right? We, it could be that we don't allow a woman to teach or a uh, teaching that, that Mother Earth is the thing. And, and what does Paul focus on a lot? See, this is what a canon within a canon does. If we read this this way, then we just sort of throw away the other verses on women in leadership, even when it it does happen in the Bible. And the Bible says it's okay. Now, culturally, that was very difficult to pull off. You you understand in the ancient world that, that boys were educated better and women weren't. And so if you had a woman leader, you really had somebody who had done something outside the cultural box but God can still do it. And so I want to talk to you about this canon within a canon where I use this verse and it becomes more important. And so pretty soon I throw away, there is no male, no female in Christ, which is by the same author. And I don't think we get to do that. But we submit to the scriptures and we don't go in there thinking, this is what it says, I hope I can find it. We go in there going, what does the Bible say? Help me understand it. And when you have two verses that disagree with each other, you don't get to pick between them. By the way, you should be used to that in your life. There's lots of questions you don't know the answers to, and you just have to live in the tension of not knowing. Well, it could be this or it could be that. Should I buy the car or should I not? Should I... Our life is full of the tension of not knowing everything. By the way, if you wanted to know everything in the world, let me tell you, that ship has sailed. Uh, My kids, if if I needed any proof beyond that, my kids know things that I could never know. Because God made them and wired them to know that stuff. Now, on the other hand, I'm the weird dad that thinks movies have meaning in the culture. And the culture uses those movies to wrestle with itself and to, to answer questions and why and so I'm I'm wondering in our new our next generation why the why all the rage is the dystopian movies where the maze runner, the the hunger games, where everything's going wrong and there's nothing you can really do about it, but you still have to live through it. And I'm wondering what questions going on in their mind that our culture's starting to wrestle with this for that way. There's so much more to scripture and there's so much more to it. I just want you to remember three things, right? Why are we, how did we get here? God created. Did God create you? Did he say, does he say anywhere in the scriptures exactly how he did that? So all the arguments with all the scientists and all that, what are they? That is people nitpicking one way or the other. Well, I'm sorry, the Bible didn't go into it. Maybe it's not as big a deal to God, whether we argue over it or not. Why are we here? That we should find God and get to know him and love him. Does that, does that, by the way, say to you that you should be an engineer and that you should not be an engineer? No, it doesn't do that. You have a way to be in the world, and that is to find God and to seek him. And you can do that as an engineer, and you can do that as a chemist, and you can do that as an artist, and you can do that as a teacher, and you can do that in any way because all of us are here. Why are we here? Is not, you are not created to be a screwdriver. And then the hammer thrown away at the end. Is there any escape from the judgment the one day coming appointed that God appointed Jesus to do the judgment? Is there any escape from the judgment that will send you to the negative de- destination that you earned by your own behavior? Yes. Perfect. The whole sermon's all done. Cuz you got that. Yes. And I'm going to step off my soapbox, and we can pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for letting us wrestle with stuff, but Lord, keep us near your heart. And help us remember to keep the first things first in this new world, in this new year, in this new time, in our new hearts. In your precious name, amen.